If you've got your Bibles, it'd be great if you could turn to Acts chapter 2. And we're going to be reading from verse 41. And it should be coming up on the screen as well. Okay, let me read it to us. Acts 2, 41. It says, Those, is that really cool? Can you read that? Here? Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who was in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Lord Jesus, as we come to the scripture today and we think about what happens when your spirit fills a church, Lord, I pray that we would be excited to see what you might do among us, Lord God. Lord, I thank you that you don't just leave us to work it out, but you sent your spirit, Lord, to work and minister in us, and you gave us your word to, to, to teach us and to help us understand what it is you're calling us into. So I pray for today that you'd be with us by your Holy Spirit and would know your presence here in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So we've been going through a, a series in the book of Acts, and the book of Acts is a narrative, which means it's a retelling of events that took place just after the death and resurrection of Jesus. So in, uh, in week one, we looked at Acts one, where Jesus is talking to his disciples and he tells them to wait uh, in Jerusalem for the promised Holy Spirit. Can you hear me? It's gone off. Okay. Um, to, to wait for the promised Holy Spirit to come. And so that's uh, what they did. In that, uh, in that first week as well, Paul talked about the uh, ascension of Christ, where uh, Jesus was taken up from view and went to, be, to sit at the right hand of the Father, which is where he is now. He's uh, seated in glory, ever interceding, ever praying for us. And then skip forwards, last week um, Paul spoke about the day of Pentecost, the day where God poured out his spirit on all believers. Am I on? I can't hear myself at all. Okay, right, that's good. Um, the day where uh, God poured his spirit out on all believers. And uh, it was an incredible moment where, where it was like tongues of fire, it was described as resting on the people of God. And as they prayed, they weren't speaking in their own language. They were speaking in the languages of people from all different cultures, tribes, tongues, and nations. And just as a little side point, I love the fact that the first thing the Holy Spirit does, it says, I am pouring out my Spirit on all the nations. And then you look at Revelation, and you see again before the throne, people from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation worshipping God. And one of the reasons we want to be a multicultural church is because actually we see it in the Bible, we see it 
That's what the Holy Spirit was interested in that first moment, and that's what's going to happen when we uh, are in front of the throne of God in heaven. And so we want to represent something of that here in London. Amen? Amen. 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 So then Peter uh, gives the first Holy Spirit-filled sermon he ever gave. And this is, uh, this is a kind of gospel, but it's not sugar-coated. Listen to the last line. If this was the last line of a preach now, I think you might be shocked. But it says this. he says this. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. And Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said, what must we do to be saved? And Peter said, each one of you must repent of your sin and turn to God be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And on that day, those that believed Peter were baptised and added to the church, about 3,000 in all. Up until this point in, uh, in the book of Acts, we've had this narrative, this retelling of the story, unfolding events. Now, Luke gives us a little break and gives us a summary of what happened in that very first spirit-filled church. And we're going to look at four characteristics of what a Holy Spirit-filled church looks like. First of all, a spirit-filled church is a church that is teachable. Secondly, sorry, I didn't do this. Secondly, a spirit-filled church is a loving, caring, sharing church. Thirdly, a spirit-filled church is a worshipping church. And fourthly, a spirit-filled church is a missional church. It's an evangelistic church. So they're the four things we're going to look at. Uh, let me get cracking. So the spirit, a spirit-filled church is a teachable church. It said they, in verse 42, it said they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. That's what it says in 46. On the day of Pentecost, where 3,000 men and women turned to God, to God, they were baptised with the Holy Spirit. And the, this new Spirit-filled church, as I've said, was made up of people from all sorts of backgrounds. There were poor and there were the rich. There were people from different cultures, Jews, Romans, Greeks, Medes, people from Libya, people from Egypt. All of these people had heard the gospel and been arrested by it. They were cut to the heart. They had all committed to turn their life away from what they were doing before and turn to trusting in Jesus. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Now their lives had changed. Their lives were being orientated around Christ. And when a person turns their life to God, and when they're filled with the Spirit, things have to <coughs> dramatically change. See, before we come to know Jesus, essentially we're egocentric. Life revolves around us. It's about your cares. It's about the things that you desire. It's about the tribe that you are part of. But when you give your life to Jesus, the whole thing completely reorientates itself. Instead of being about yourself, your life becomes about the glory of God. 
It says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, it says, I, it is no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. Amen. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done. In the Gethsemane, he said, you know, when he was facing death, he said, not my will, but yours be done. That's, it's a reorientation. And when we come to know Jesus, it's like that sense of, I don't live for myself anymore. I live for the glory of God. I live to please and bring glory to Christ. But God is gracious. He doesn't just expect us to know how to live. I mean, imagine those guys, 3,000 of them from all different backgrounds, different religions. Imagine how weird it would have been in a moment. It's like, you know what, I used to be part of this, I used to be part of that, but now I'm going to reorientate my life to be about Christ Jesus. That's quite dramatic, isn't it? It's quite a big change in the way you live. But God is gracious. He doesn't just tell us that we need to change. He fills us with his Holy Spirit, which enables us to change, and he gives us his words so that we can learn things. It said they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. And I want to ask you a question today. Are you teachable? See, often, we, in charismatic churches, we say, you know, we want the Holy Spirit. Of course we want the Holy Spirit. But the danger is we forget, actually, and we want to submit ourselves to the Word of God. And actually, you can't have one and not the other. We need both. We want the Holy Spirit to be challenging us, yeah. speaking to us, right. giving us the, that now moment of God. But also, we need to be going to the Holy Spirit and saying, can you, can you, uh, sorry, we need to be going to the Word and checking what we're talking about. Because we're not fall- infallible. We're not people that don't make mistakes just because we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We constantly still make mistakes. Yes. And so we need the Spirit, but we need the Word of God as well. Amen. So are you teachable? Yeah. When you come on a Sunday morning, Do you expect to be challenged? Do you expect the way you live your life to be challenged? Or do you just turn up and think, oh, we'll we'll see what happens? Last week, when Paul was speaking, and he talked about the five Ps, can someone give me one of those Ps? Hmm? Presence. Who was challenged during the week to think about, actually, the Holy Spirit is living with me this week? Because we're not just here just to... Now listen, I'm not saying, again, that we say everything perfectly up here. Okay? A couple of weeks ago, I was preaching, and I said, David climbed up the side of a mountain to go and fight some Philistines. It wasn't David. (laughs) It wasn't David, it was uh, Jonathan. I got it wrong. So I'm not saying that everything we say here is right, but what we do is we take the Word of God and we present it to you, and we let the Word of God challenge us. And we need to be people that are saying, I love the Holy Spirit, I want the Holy Spirit, and, and because of that, I want to dedicate myself to the apostles' teachings and to Scripture. I love, the, I love the word devoted. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. They devoted. It's not just they listened. They devoted. That's like they took it on and they put it into practice. That's what we're about. 
Do you allow scripture to impact your life on a daily basis? Jesus said constantly, actually, he said it quite a few times, he who has ears, let him hear. I wonder what that means. What it means is, you know, physically we can hear what's going on. Physically you can hear me. But is your spirit alive to it? Can you hear it? Can it impact you? Can it change you? We want to be people that are being changed by the word of God. And I want to give you a promise. The more you give to scripture, the more it will give back to you. A couple of practical things, okay? If you think, oh, I'd love to get more out of scripture, but I kind of read it and I, I don't really understand it. Find someone who you think might be a little bit further on than you and say, will you help me read my Bible? Maybe you think, actually, I'm quite good at reading my Bible and understanding it, but I need, I need to get a bit deeper. Well, we've got, a, um, we've got a, a, a Bible school, and there's a new one. When's the next one starting? Every month. So anyone can <laughs> pay up. Yeah. Pay up. So you can come whenever you want. Okay. So you're kind of devoting yourself. It's not just yeah, I read scriptures. I'm devoting myself to scripture. And if you think actually I could go a dip, bit deeper than that, well, why not look at external courses? Look at things that can really take you deep in the scripture. Because I promise you, the more you put in to understanding scripture, the more you'll get out of it. A few years ago, I went to the Louvre. And we saw the Mona Lisa. Say, say it, Mona Lisa. And uh, I spent uh, a few moments with that good lady, looked at her for a little while, and then I was done, and off I went. I can promise you, Scripture is never the same. <laughs> I can look at the Bible, and I can just be amazed at the depths of what we learn as we get more, more and more into Scripture. I promise you, there's no one here that said, Alright, I've got the Bible sus, let's move on. Okay? It's it's deep and it's helpful. So make sure we let's make sure we're a church devoted to scripture, a spirit-filled church. It's a teachable church. Secondly, I haven't gone through any of these. Sorry, I'm rubbish. Oh there you go. There you go. Sorry, no, sorry, a technical stuff. I'll let you follow me. I'm not. Okay. Secondly, a spirit-filled church is a loving, caring, sharing church. So verse 44 says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and gave to anyone who had need. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. For many people today, church is uh, something you attend on a Sunday. But that was never a definition that the early church would have even understood. You didn't go to church, you were part of a church. Yeah, and other people that you went with or you met with were part of the church as well. Church was something, a place where you care for one another and where you share with one another. Again, it's about the reorientation of your life. I'm not just an attender, I'm not just someone who goes to something. You might as well go to a leisure centre if that's the kind of thing you're looking for. Okay? What, what it's all about, it's about that reorientation. I no longer live, but Christ in me. I'm, that's what my life's focused around, and that's what our lives are focused around. So it's a big challenge for us, isn't it? We want to be a welcoming church. Last week we talked about, the tw we had the 25 
25th anniversary of our welcome team led by Les Watkins. Very exciting occasion to remember. And we want to be good at welcoming people, don't we? It's, it's a vital part of it. People in the early church were attracted to the church because of the welcome and the, just the, the culture that they were coming into. And, it's really, and we're quite good at this. Uh, so many times you hear people, in fact, everyone here will have a kind of first experience of City Hope. And for a lot of people they say, do you know what? I just knew straight away that when I came to City Hope, this is where I needed to be. The way people were interested in me, talked to me, cared about me, uh, you know, invited me for dinner. It just felt like it was a different place. They weren't just concerned about themselves. They were concerned about each other. And that's an exciting thing. And, uh, but equally, there will be people whose experience was, do you know what, I came to City Hope for six months. And I just, other than saying hello to people, I didn't really feel like anyone was particularly interested in me. And I've heard, it's sad, I've heard people say things like that, or, you know, I never got invited to someone's house for lunch for a, for a year. And you think, oh no, what kind of church do we want to be? We want to be that first one, don't we? And we want to make an effort, we want to be thinking, okay, not just about myself on a Sunday morning, but what about the people? What about that person who I don't recognise? And trying to get to know people because we want to be a loving, caring, sharing church. Again, generosity is just fantastic here. I love the fact that people every week or every month think, you know what, I've just been paid, but I'm going to commit a certain amount of this money that I've been paid to the purposes of God by giving it to City Hope. What an amazing thing that is. I love it. I love it. I just think... You know, that's just, again, it's the reorientation thing. You're not thinking about yourself. You're thinking about, I'm part of something bigger. Everything I have comes from him, and I'm committing it back to him. And generous in so many other ways, in the way people are, uh, are you know, they were, they were generous in this place about inviting people into their homes. And I know, again, we're generous in terms of that. Uh, or someone over here has got a need... And the person over here says, actually, do you know what? God's given me enough to get by. I can go and help that person. And I know that happens all the time because I know I've been a reciprocant of it as well. So it's an amazing thing and we want to just continue to do that. When Jesus talked about loving your neighbour, what did he mean? I'm going to read this to us. It says, as you long for food when you are hungry, so long to feed your neighbour when he is hungry. As you long for nice clothes for yourself, so long for nice clothes for your neighbour. As you work for comf comfortable places to live, so desire comfortable places for your neighbours to live. As you seek to be safe and secure from calamity and violence, so seek comfort and security for your neighbour. As you seek friendship for yourself, so be a friend to your neighbour. As you want your life to count and be significant, so desire the same significance for your neighbour. As you work to make good grades for yourself, so work to help your neighbour get good grades. As you, like, as you like to be welcomed into strange company, so welcome your neighbour into strange company. And that's what this kind of love, this sharing, this caring thing that, God, uh, that Jesus talks about is all about. And that's what I love about this kind of summary 
It's because Jesus and, and Paul talks a lot about how churches should work. And here we have in Acts 2 a kind of living, breathing example of it. And I think we are that as well as a church. So a spirit-filled church is a loving, caring, sharing church. Spirit-filled church is a worshipping church. Worship is laced throughout the summary that we've just read. They worship together in, in the temple courts. They praised him in each other's homes. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Let me just talk about those three things just for a little while. So, they worshipped in the temple courts. Worship is such, and, and when I say worship, I mean the kind of singing of songs, the reading of scripture, a lot of what we've had today. The worshipping God together is a really important aspect of church life. Amen. Because we want to keep Christ centre of what we're doing. If we stopped worshipping, you know, Sue and the band helped us in it today. If we stopped doing that every week, very quickly, we would lose the sense of Jesus being at the centre of what we're doing. And, and we don't want to do that. It says in 1 Corinthians 14, when you come together, everyone has a song, a psalm, a hymn. You know, there's so much to bring. It's an important uh, part of our worship. So I want to say this to you. Don't just take that first bit, because we often do this worship bit. I know we're not, I'm not supposed to use the word worship, but you know what I mean. Okay? We, um, we do this bit, the, the, the beginning bit. Don't rob God of his glory by turning up late. Yeah? If, if, if you need to reorientate your life in order to be here so that we can worship together, then do it. Because we want to give him the glory he deserves. And if you just turn up for a preach and you don't, you know, you're, you're kind of missing or your head's not in this kind of time of lifting our gaze to the glory of Christ, then you're going to miss out on something. You're going to miss out on bringing him the glory that he deserves. So I want to encourage us to take that bit of our time together seriously. They praised each other's. Uh, they praised him in each other's homes again. Uh, just that kind of sense of bringing Jesus, bringing God, bringing the Father into our conversations as we meet together. Not just saying, "Oh, how was your day? Was it nice?" and stuff, but finding opportunities. I love the fact that we we have connect groups in each other's homes. It's great. It's interesting how important food often is. Um, you know, in our cultures, when I say our, our culture, Western culture, maybe eating together isn't the kind of highest priority. I think we've got a lot to learn from other cultures. Actually, there are some, um, you know, Iran, Iraq, places like that. The way they do hospitality seems more biblical to me, often, than our Western way of doing things. And so we want to learn from other cultures on how to be hospitable, how to care for one another, how to show love, and food, for whatever reason, seems to be an important part of that. So make sure you're inviting people around for meals and, and eating together. And finally, they devote themselves to the breaking of bread and to prayer. When it talks about the breaking of bread, it's talking about communion. And so we're going to have communion as part of our worship service today, at the end. Um, and we'll talk about that a little bit more as we go. But again, it's about saying Christ is central to what we're doing. 
If we stopped having communion, we'd just forget that very quickly. And so at church, or, you know, sorry, on a Sunday, we do this once a month, roughly speaking. We have communion together. Uh, every other time the kids are in, every other time the kids are out. So that's one place where you can have communion. But there's no reason why you couldn't have it in your connect group. There's no reason why you couldn't have, your, uh, have communion in your connect community. There's no reason why you couldn't have it around the dinner table. And so think about it, because they constantly, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. And so think about, you know, other contexts, not just a Sunday morning service, but when you're gathered together, bringing Christ to the centre of what you're doing. And to prayer. Again, we have a once a month prayer meeting on a Wednesday, the first uh, Wednesday of every month. That's brilliant. That's really exciting. We're also adding in uh, every now and then. So on the 2nd of March, we've got a Friday night prayer meeting. So that will start at 8 and finish at 12. And uh, yeah, it's just an extended time to, to seek God together. Those of you that are intercessors, you need to come and teach us who are only kind of on a prayer level. Show us how to intercede. Um, that would be an exciting thing to do. But also, there's, again, there's so many other opportunities to pray together. Do you know, every single day on, during the week, a group of guys are here at like 7 o'clock to pray and to read scripture together. Every, so, so there's a way that as City Hope, we are, we are um, dedicating ourselves to prayer. Um, uh, I think last week or two weeks ago, about seven young ladies went uh, away. Did you go, Sharon? Yay! Yeah. <laughs> so they, they all, there you go. So they took a took a day off, yeah, went to a retreat in Yeah, you suggested it um before Christmas and um, Jackie came up with the idea and then we went on a Monday and it was um St. Catherine's house, it was like Limehouse. Limehouse, yeah. And there you go. we just met with God and it was fantastic. So just on the other yeah. side of the river, I heard well, someone told me. I heard there was <laughs> lots of prayer and, and just as, at least just as much laughing as well. So, uh, yeah. And that's, that's great, mate. That's just across the river. If you want to find out more, go and find Sharon afterwards. But we want to find opportunities to pray together. So a, a, a spirit-filled church is a worshipping church. And finally, a, holy, uh, a, a church filled with the Holy Spirit is a missional church. Church is not about a holy huddle. It's not about just sticking together and, you know, while people throw rocks at us, we'll stay nice and close and not get hurt. Actually, this scripture, I don't know if you noticed, but it started and it ended with an amazing evangelistic testimony. Verse 41 said, Those who believed what Peter said were baptised and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. And then verse 47 said, And the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. So that's it's so important. It, you can't just say church is about me, us. It's, a, it's about orientating our lives around Jesus, about what God's got planned for us. And actually, that's always going to involve bringing more people in. It's always going to be about him adding to our numbers. And our prayer, imagine that. Imagine if God, would, you know, he was, the Lord was adding to our number daily. Wouldn't that be exciting? Yes. We would have doubled in a year. We would have doubled in a year. We're like, Lord, please, there's some stuff to pray for, isn't it? The Lord added to their number daily. And it's almost as if 
through this culture, through this way of life, God was calling people to himself. And we want to see that happen here at City Hope. It says in Matthew 5, verse 16, In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. We don't want to be looking in. We've got something amazing to share with people. And we want to be showing it out and let it be like a light shining out so that people can come and bring glory to our Heavenly Father. Amen? Amen. So, a Spirit-filled church is a teachable church. A Spirit-filled church is a loving, caring, sharing church. A Spirit-filled church is a worshipping church. And a Spirit-filled church is a missional church. That's not an exhaustive list. There are other things that a church is. But you can't do away with any of these. If we said, no, we want to do it all, but we don't want to worship, doesn't work. We want to do it all, but we don't want to be evangelistic, doesn't work. We need to have all of them. And all of them need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. All of them. We can't do this without the Holy Spirit. And, and it's important to just have that ongoing kind of cry in our heart to say, Holy Spirit, fill us. Fill us afresh. Help us. Empower us. Equip us. Give us everything we need. Because else we're kind of like this, this task and we're just going to fight our way and not get anywhere. But it's when the Holy Spirit came that all of this stuff happened. Amen. Amen. Amen.